are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. You're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listening to the always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, we got a jam-packed show. As always, we're going to be recapping last night's D-backs win. Yes, D-backs win. We're going to be talking about the latest rumors surrounding Escobar, Ketel Marte, discuss the Tim LeCastro trade, and then we're going to wrap up the pod by giving you the correct choices for the MLB All-Star game because they announced the starters last night, and I'm going to tell you who should have been voted in because there were some egregious mistakes with the fan voting. But before we get to all that, I first want to talk to you guys about Spotify Greenroom because this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this Sunday as I'll go live after the D-backs win. Download the app and join me in on the action. Now, let's talk about last night's game because the D-backs were able to pull off an improbable victory against the San Francisco Giants. I was going to tweet when they were up, I believe, 5-3. Uh, I was going to tweet that, hey, if this lead doesn't become at least five runs by the eighth inning, the D-backs are going to lose this game. And instead, they actually hung on with some really impressive pitching by Merrill Kelly, who's been impressive his last three starts. Uh, Last night might have been his least impressive out of his last three. And still, even with that being said, he still went seven innings, three earned runs, a no walk, seven strikeouts. He gave up two home runs, which is not the best, but still. 66 of his 92 pitches were thrown for strikes, and I think that no walks is the biggest indication that Merrill Kelly's starting to get back into that 2024, because last year, the biggest positivity out of Merrill Kelly's starts was the fact that he wasn't putting runners on base. He was walking essentially no one when he was pitching, and the last three starts, he's been really great with his command, and the most impressive thing about Merrill Kelly this season is We've talked a lot on this pod about how he goes deep into ball games, no matter how he's pitching. Last night, he went deep into the ball game once again, seven innings. But the most impressive thing from Merrill Kelly this season is the fact that he's been a stopper for the D-backs bleeding. He was the pitcher on the mound when the D-backs ended their franchise worst 17-game losing streak. It was also the pitcher on the mound when they ended the longest road losing streak in MLB history. And the win helped a nine-game losing streak against the San Francisco Giants. So whenever you need a guy to stop the bleeding for you right now, that's Merrill Kelly. And Toy Lovello had this to say after the game. We're looking for stoppers in the rotation, and he is certainly one of them. That's a credit to him. He's been working his butt off. It's not by accident that he's having this type of year. And it's the type of year that could be the reason that Merrill Kelly gets moved at the trade deadline. I mean, he's a guy that could definitely solidify a back end of a rotation for a contender. 
And we'll see what happens because we're going to be talking about all the latest news and rumors later on the pod because right now the D-backs, uh, they're, they're playing core. They're acting like they don't want to be big sellers at the deadline, but we know that's what's going to be. So really impressive start by Merrill Kelly. He started off the game a little rocky because he gave up that solo home run to Mike Yastrzemski in the first. He gave up another home run, a two-run bomb in the fourth inning. But after that, he absolutely settled in and was locked in for this team. I, I wish he pitched into the eighth inning because why not let these starters go deep into ball games if you are trying to win the game, then I think the best case scenario for the D-backs is to leave their starters in. But still, seven innings from Merrill Kelly is very impressive. And we saw some great power last night from the offense as well. That's why D-backs fans today are able to get free tacos because you had that home run from Josh Reddick, the first of the year for Reddick, and you even had a home run for Paven Smith. So the two guys who are not known for power in the D-backs lineup both came up huge in yesterday's win. Both flexed that power and showed them uh, maybe they do got more pop to that to, to their bats than what they show. Don't forget Paven Smith in terms of hard contact rate. The numbers love Paven Smith. The numbers love hard hit percentage for Paven Smith. So he does have that gap power. But this game, uh, you know, we saw the first seven innings. It looked like the D-backs were locked into winning. But we've seen a lot of games. We just saw the last series against the Giants where we saw Mike Yastrzemski hit that grand slam late in the ball game when it felt like the D-backs uh when it felt like the D-backs fingerprints were all over the ball game when it felt like they had an easy victory in the palm of their hands and they blew that one and I thought last night was going to be another game that they blew because the D-backs in case you didn't know have the fewest saves in all of baseball they only have 7 saves as a team this year, and I believe their only active pitcher with a save right now is Riley Smith. Only active pitcher with a save this season, I believe, is Riley Smith. And last night, they had their first save opportunity, I believe, since May 30th. So no save opportunities in all of June. And that that's really a credit to the D-backs, you know, their, their will to find any way to lose. I mean, to not have a save opportunity basically means you're losing by the time <laughs> the ninth inning rolls around in every game. So that's really a testament and a credit to the D-backs for always striving and finding a way to lose games. But last night, it seemed like it was going to be a repeat of that. Joaquin Soria came into the game, the most experienced closer the D-backs still have on the roster and he started the inning off by allowing the first two runners on the base. And it was like, oh, man, here we go again. The D-backs are trying to lose a game for what other reason than the D-backs being the D-backs. And instead, he got a double play from Donovan Solano. And then he struck out Darren Ruff. And look at that. The D-backs get their seventh save of the season. They end up picking up a improbable win. And it's always good when you could do it against a division rival, a team that I can talk crap on uh, in my podcast network. This way I could hit up Ben Caspic and just crap on him a little bit for losing to the D-backs. Whenever you lose to the D-backs, you got to give the opposing podcast host some, some crap for it because uh, you should never lose to the Arizona and Dimebacks. So thank you to the D-backs for giving me some bragging rights. Uh, impressed by the offense just enough last night. Three for six were runners in scoring position, a couple home runs. That's about all you can want. We even snuck in a Josh Rojas stolen base last night. So the young studs for this D-backs team, they're trying to play their way into being the core, look good. Remember, we're still got a debate of who should be the D-backs all-star representative. And 
Haven Smith made his case last night with a home run. Josh Rojas didn't have any hits, but he had a walk and a stolen base as well. Uh, Eduardo Escobar, he's still trying to put on a, a show for the other teams so he can be moved at the deadline. And right now, uh, this is a state of fluctuation for the D-backs. You're going to see a lot of different hitters in that lineup seemingly every day. There's never going to be a day probably for the rest of the season where you have a uh, uh, a whole series where you see the same people in the lineup every day. I, I just don't really envision that. There's not going to be a lot of consistency with this lineup for the rest of the season. We're going to see a lot of young players uh, go in and out of that lineup. So we got to stay patient, see how the next couple of weeks play out as we approach the MLB trade deadline. We got to soak in these last couple of weeks with some of our favorite players like Escobar and David Peralta because you don't know who's going to be here after the deadline. So let's soak it. All in now because this could be the last iteration of this short, short D-backs era from the last three seasons. Now, we'll talk about those D-backs rumors and who could be on the move, who's staying, who's already been traded from the Arizona Diamondbacks. But before we talk about that, I first want to talk to you guys about Fully Loaded Chew because today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry, white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is offering Locked On Diamondbacks listeners a special offer. Right now, you can try a can for just $1. That's right, just $1. Go to www.fullyloadedchew.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON, just $1. And free shipping if you use the code LOCKEDON at checkout. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew. FullyLoadedChew.com. Let's get back into the pod and let's discuss all those trade rumors, actual trades, potential trades. And let's first start here. Fan favorite, Tim LaCastro, the fastest man in the world, Hussein Bolt of baseball, has been traded to the New York Yankees. <laughs> and I think it's kind of funny because I'm sure when the Yankees saw breaking news, they trade for a speedy outfielder. I don't think, oh, no, 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 this is how it went. Breaking news. Yankees trade for speedy outfielder from the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't think the first name that popped in their head was Tim LaCastro. They were probably thinking Ketel Marte because anytime you type Ketel Marte into a Google search bar, you see a whole bunch of Yankees uh, beat writers discussing potential Ketel Marte trades. They're completely unfounded. Yankee fans like to hit me up on Twitter saying, what can we do to get Ketel Marte? It's not happening. You guys aren't getting Ketel Marte right now. I say right now because the current GM, not Mike Hazen, the guy who's taken over for Mike Hazen as he's away uh, to deal with some family issues, the guy running the GM spot right now for the Arizona Diamondbacks, he's talked about with Nick Piccaro of Arizona Republic that right now the team's approach during the deadline is to really try to keep any long-term core pieces, and that's mostly the guys who 
are pretty controllable for the next few years. Marte signed through 2024, Gallon through 25, uh, Kelly through 24, Rojas through 26, Caleb Smith as uh, you know even controlled through 2023. So those guys, you know, who are locked in for the next three seasons at least, are probably not going anywhere. Those guys are locked in with the team right now. But the assistant GM Sade has said. That maybe in the offseason, those dynamics change. So that could possibly mean maybe you do look at a Ketel Marte once you get to the offseason. Teams are more willing to get off their prospects and do more major deals in the offseason when it's not in the middle of the year and you have to reconstruct your team on the fly and try to rebuild that team chemistry. You can do all that in the offseason. So the D-backs might think about trading one of those core pieces in the offseason, but like I was saying before, I don't think the Yankees fans, when they saw the breaking news come across the ticker, they were thinking Ketel Marte. But still, Tim LaCastro is still a guy that's going to help them out because right now, the most athletic player probably in the whole Yankees roster, it might be Brett Gardner, who's out there running with a walker and a cane. Tim LaCastro, of players who have at least 25 competitive runs this season, second in sprint speed in all baseball. The man can flat out fly. He set the major league record earlier this season for most consecutive steals to begin your major league career without being caught his overall numbers this year aren't that impressive tim lacastro's only batting 178 on the year with a 491 ops only five stolen bases in 55 games it hasn't been a great season for tim lacastro but still he still plays solid defense and that speed it's gonna be a major factor on the base pass for the yankees if they want to bring in a pinch runner late in games because the yankees really don't have a lot of guys that could score from first on those deep alley balls on those balls rope down the line they don't have really guys that score from first they don't really have guys on singles to right field that could go from first to third so tim lacastro if he does get decent playing time is going to be very valuable for the yankees in that respect and it's not like they have a great outfield already aaron hicks uh was lost before the season started and clint frazier uh he's undergoing some testing as well with some dizziness uh he's probably gonna be okay but it's not like he's been that great this season either he's only batting 186 combine that with the fact that there's no aaron hicks right now either so this yankees outfield is Weak. It's probably their weakest position group on their roster. Aaron Judge is a stud, but Frazier, Hicks, Gardner, that trio is just not getting it done. And Hicks is not even in the fold anymore. So Tim Castro is our already arguably what their second or best outfielder. I mean, it's pretty sad to say. Uh, but at least the D-backs got back a 25-year-old pitcher. Is not some stud prospect in their organization, but he is an interesting arm. Drafted in 2018, uh, 65 innings out the bullpen in the minor leagues with 329 ERA across three minor league levels. He's in double A currently with 394 ERA. He's punched out 27 of 69 batters. So he's a strikeout machine, uh, pitching pretty well on the double A level, which is pretty high. So uh, he could be a guy that can help solidify the back end of the bullpen for the D-backs as we know they have one of the worst bullpens in the major leagues I mean we just mentioned how they have uh one save opportunity since the end of May uh so that lets you know all you need to know about how bad this D-backs bullpen is but one guy who we thought was going to be traded first 
Eduardo Espar is still on the Arizona Dimebacks. The Chicago White Sox were heavily involved with the Escobar deal. It felt like a deal was on the verge of being made, but now it sounds like the White Sox might also be looking at some other options. We know they need a second baseman with Nick Madrigal now out for the season, and it looks like they could be turning their attention to Adam Frazier, the all-star for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's going to be the starting second baseman in the NL All-Star game. And that would be a good move for the White Sox. But even if Escobar doesn't get traded to the White Sox, it still feels inevitable that he's going to be traded somewhere. This is a guy who is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And still, even though he doesn't have eye-popping numbers when it comes to home runs and when it comes to, or excuse me, he has eye-popping numbers when it comes to home runs, but he doesn't have eye-popping numbers when it comes to average or OBP. Only batting 243 and 291 OP, OBP. Both of those numbers are pretty disgusting, but 17 home runs is one of the league leaders in the National League. Not the league leader, but among players at his position group, one of the best, and his 53 RBIs right at the top of the National League. So he is a slugger at heart. He's got that pop. He's got the power, and he is clutch. He can produce those runs for you. He can get those guys home. So there are strengths to Escobar's game. He's versatile in the infield. He can play multiple uh, defensive positions in the infield, and he can drive home runs for you. He can be a number five hitter on your team, and if you're a contender, especially in the American League, I think he could be a strong D8 for you, second base, third base as well. So Escobar, I think, is someone that's going to probably bring back the most value on this D-backs roster, unless you're trading a Ketel Marte or Zach Allen. I think Escobar brings back the most value. Maybe a David Peralta could get you a decent yield or Merrill Kelly, but Escobar, considering he's only like 32 years old, 33, he's really not that old. He's still a pretty solid in his prime he, he hasn't been great the last two seasons still only 32 hasn't been great the last two seasons but like I said there are strengths to his game with the power and we're gonna see moves be made I'm confident this D-backs team is gonna have a fire sale I don't really care what the GM or anybody around the team says I believe by the time the deadline ends, we're going to see at least five moves made by the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that's my big, I don't even know if you consider that a big prediction, but I believe there's going to be a lot of moves on the horizon. And I'm not listening to the outside noise. If the assistant GM, if a beat writer says, hey, the D-backs actually aren't going to be aggressive at the deadline, I'm going to wait and see for the deadline to approach before I listen to those opinions. Now, we're going to discuss who should have actually made the MLB All-Star Game. I'm going to give you the correct choices for the MLB All-Star Game. But before we do that, I first want to talk to you guys about Bilt Bar. Because did you know Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors? They got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. There's a flavor for everyone. And the reason why I love Bilt Bars is because they trick me. I'm a health conscious guy. I'm going to the gym every day. But Built Bar tricks me because I think that I'm eating a candy bar when in reality, I'm actually eating a protein bar that's low in calorie, low in sugar, but it's high in protein and it's high in fiber, so it's great for the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your first order. Once again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and can track all the action at Bet Online. 
Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the podcast. And we're going to be discussing the MLB All-Star Game vote because there are some starters voted in. And I'm like, oh, that's a little shaky. I think you picked the wrong guy there, buddy. You're not that guy, pal. You shouldn't be the All-Star. You're not that guy, pal. And unfortunately, some guys are voted in that may be deserving or undeserving. This is just my, you know, my interpretation of who should have been the MLB All-Star? And I think I got a pretty good grasp of who should have been the All-Star at every position. So we're going to go by position by position. Look who made the All-Star team and tell you who it should have been. There's not a lot of guys who were wrongly voted in, but there were a couple guys who stood out. that I'm like, eh, that guy probably shouldn't be in. So let's first start with the catcher position. And a surprise for no one, Salvador Perez ended up being called the starter for the American League. Buster Posey for the National League. Both of these guys have been the two best catchers at their position. I don't think it's even been that close. This is going to be Perez's sixth all-star game. This is going to be Posey's fifth all-star game. And that's both of those numbers are as starters. Not overall, just sixth all-star game for Perez as the starter. And for Posey, fifth all-star game as the starter. So both of those don't have an issue with. They were both the correct choices. First base. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr., no surprise here. He's been a freaking beast this season. Might take home the Triple Crown. Uh, Him and Otani are jockeying back and forth for the home run lead in the American League. He's blown away my expectations. My homie took him. That You guys heard the other day, Janton Shorter the second. We're in a fancy baseball league. I think he took him within the first five rounds, maybe even higher. And I was like, you're dumb, dude. That's an awful pick. And I'm the one that's looking dumb because I did not think he was going to be this good this quickly. He's absolutely crushing it, so nothing wrong there. Freddie Freeman, though, that's the first issue I have because Freddie Freeman is not having that great of a season. He won the MVP last year and was deservingly so, but he's having a subpar season. When you compare his numbers with Max Muncy's, who was the runner-up, I think Max Muncy is the clear guy. He has pretty much better numbers across the board. I mean, better OPS, just as many home runs, uh, pretty much any number you want to look at for a first baseman. Max Muncy's doing better than Freddie Freeman batting average. Max Muncy's having an all-star caliber season that's more uh, impressive than what a Freddie Freeman is doing. And if you want to juxtapose this season with Freddie Freeman's 2020 season, you probably really shouldn't be doing that for all-star voting because it's a season-by-season thing. But he's fallen off so much that it, it does take a little shine and lust off of Freddie Freeman. So I think the first base position, even though I don't want to give it to L.A. Dodger, I think Max Muncy was the more deserving guy. Marcus Simeon starting second base for the American League. Uh, I think that is the correct choice, along with Adam Frazier of the Pirates being the starting second baseman in the National League. I don't have a problem with either one. Glad to see Gavin Lux didn't win. 
Rafael Devers taking home the start for the American League at third base. Absolutely crushing it this year. Well-deserved. Nolan Arenado, this one was a tough one when doing the exercise between him and Justin Turner. But I think if you give it to Nolan Arenado, I'm not going to disagree with you there. And I'm, I also had Nolan Arenado in, the, in my latest round of doing uh, my predictions for the MLB All-Star Game. Bogarts at shortstop for American League. I agree with that one. That one was pretty close too. Bo Bichet and Carlos Correa were both only quality challengers, but I agree with Bogarts. I, of course, agree with Tatis for the National League. I mean, those were both easy choices. Now, for anybody who listens to the podcast, this is one of the biggest issues I have. Mike Trout being voted into the MLB All-Star Game is an absolute travesty. If he played the full season, I guarantee you he would be worth the all-star start. I know I'm considered a Mike Trout hater, but the dude is a beast. I'm not going to sit here and deny that. I just don't think he's the greatest baseball player I've ever seen. Uh, that's really where I draw the line. I just don't think he's the greatest player of the modern era. I just don't think he's the GOAT. That's pretty much why I call him overrated because people think he's the greatest player ever. And I'm telling you, you can't be the greatest player ever with one career playoff hit. I know it's not all his fault, but we don't have to do the Mike Trout debate today. But Mike Trout being in the All-Star game is a travesty. He absolutely stole a spot from someone else like a Cedric Mullins, a Dallas Garcia. Those two guys are definitely more deserving. A Michael Brantley, those guys are definitely more deserving than a Mike Trout. Mike Trout won't even be able to play in the MLB All-Star game because he's on the injured list. He's probably going to be hurt through the All-Star game. Maybe he'll be back in time, but there's no reason why he should be playing he's missed half the games this season i think it's an absolute travesty that he's in the game in a full season when he's healthy of course he deserves to be there the way he was playing this year he was playing like the best guy in baseball he was absolutely balling out before he got hurt but since he's gonna be out he doesn't deserve to be an all-star carson kelly i think was an all-star before he got hurt too but since he is hurt he doesn't deserve to be an all-star either. So Mike Trout shouldn't be an all-star based off that reason too. Teoscar Hernandez, I think, was deserving, but I probably would have given it to Cedric Mullins over Teoscar Hernandez uh, as well. But if you take off Mike Trout and put Cedric Mullins in, then I'm okay with Teoscar Hernandez being in the all-star game. But I don't think he should be in over Cedric Mullins, even though he was one of those guys I really had to debate with between him and Adarlis Garcia for the last spot in my All-Star Game starter predictions. And then after that, I really don't have an issue with the rest of the guys that were named All-Star Game starter. I think Acuna was deserving, Castellanos and Jesse Winker. All three of those guys I had on my ballot for All-Star Game starter, Shohei Otani. I think it was close between him and J.D. Martinez, but come on, Otani's just a lot more fun to watch. I think J.D. Martinez is still going to make the All-Star Game either way. Uh, the manager is going to select the NL designated hitter so i'm curious to see who that's gonna be uh maybe that will be max muncie who got robbed of a spot but overall the muncie spot the mike trout spot and arguably the teoscar hernandez spot i just think cedric mullins needs to be in the outfield for the american league outside of that most of these voters got it right most of the fans got it right if gavin lux made the all-star team i would have absolutely flipped out but just mike trout and just Freddie Freeman were probably the two biggest players I had an issue with being named starters to the MLB All-Star Game. 
Now that's it for this edition of the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast. Remember, your all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Braskowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Catch up on any podcast you might have missed this week. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account. At Lockdown Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram. Go hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!